we're back from our hiatus with a new segment called Here in San Francisco. In each episode, we'll look at how San Francisco and the Bay Area both fuel and reflect our national obsession with food. One last thing. Two out of ten people in the world don't know where their next meal is coming from. Keep it in perspective. This is Cornucopia. Here in San Francisco, episode two, poor Jack Dorsey and the search for meaning through food. Here in San Francisco, throw a dozen rotten eggs across the street, and odds are good you'll hit at least one car worth more than most of us make in a year, or two, or maybe three. Maseratis, Porsches, top-of-the-line Mercedes, Audis, Range Rovers, BMWs, the occasional Bentley, and more than enough Teslas to make good old Elon Musk relax every time one of his SpaceX rockets explodes. An unmanned SpaceX rocket exploded. Among well-heeled San Franciscans, even those who rarely drive, the auto remains a prominent symbol, a suburban-inspired merit badge that lets your neighbors, as well as everyone in the Costco parking lot, know you've really made it big. But among our local billionaires, there's one who's gained attention for how he gets to work the old-fashioned way. Walking 5.3 miles from his home in the posh Seacliff neighborhood down to Market Street. Actually, since 2019, he walks from his two homes in Seacliff. Since like another local, Mark Zuckerberg, this guy also bought the place next door in an off-market record-setting deal of $22 million. Jack Dorsey, CEO of both Twitter and Square with a net worth of $15 billion and growing, may be poorer than many of his oligarchic peers, but when it comes to being eccentric, he is on top of Billionaire Hill. Dorsey told Tim Ferriss that in his hour-long walk to work, he tunes out the office instead, listening to music, drawing inspiration from the streets of San Francisco. But don't think his outside-the-box commute and other eccentricities we'll talk about have endeared him to everybody in our city, because that's not the case. While he's admired by tech analysts and investors, and adored even more by those proverbial tech bros, Dorsey is hated by many here. In particular, for his vocal opposition to a proposed ordinance that would have taxed large corporations like his to fund programs aiding the homeless. The growth of tech has, of course, made our homeless problem much worse than ever. Dorsey disclosed his strong opposition in response to a tweet from another San Francisco billionaire, Mark Benioff. After Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, San Francisco's largest employer, tweeted his and his company's support for the ordinance, known as Proposition C, Dorsey replied that he too wanted to end homelessness, but like others, didn't think this was the best way to do so. Benioff then asked Dorsey what actual efforts he and his companies were supporting to solve the homeless crisis. Dorsey dodged the question, accusing Benioff of distraction. 
What's particularly remarkable is that Dorsey began this public debate unsolicited, even though he wasn't mentioned at all in the original tweet. Two billionaires arguing on Twitter, one for helping the homeless, and Dorsey embracing the role of Scrooge McTwitter. Benioff asserted that if you're against a relatively small tax of one-half of one percent, you're only for yourself. San Franciscans agreed, passing the ordinance by 61 percent, perhaps influenced by the tens of millions tech spends year after year after year on extravagant company events and lavish parties that sometimes take over and fence off public spaces and close busy city streets for more than a week at a time. Now back to Dorsey, his loud opposition was particularly noteworthy because in 2011, San Francisco gave Twitter, a company valued at $10 billion back then, a tax break worth somewhere between 20 and $30 million. Socialism for the rich? And as for the homeless, well, to paraphrase someone else in history, let them eat tweets. <whistles> Who knows what inspiration Dorsey gets walking to work, but clearly it is an empathy. Even though any possible route to the office has to go through the tenderloin, ground zero for our homeless crisis. As anyone who lives here or has visited knows, homeless men and women sleeping on cardboard, crouched under tarps or tents, have, like steep hills, panoramic views, and cable cars, become another emblem of our city. Right, a rolling, the San Francisco treat. Right, a rolling. While some believe the huge tax break was worth it in order to keep Twitter from leaving town and pumping money into the local economy in the mid-Market Street area, these days that argument makes as much sense as asking Donald Trump for tips on hair care or good sportsmanship. Why? Because after Twitter employees started working from home due to the coronavirus, they have since been told that they never need to work in the office again. Hey, Mayor Breed and Board of Supervisors, have you talked to the lawyers about a refund yet? You're listening to Cornucopia, the cult, culture, and business of food. Your very best friend, until we all get vaccinated. By now, you might be thinking, isn't this podcast supposed to be about food? Yes, we promise, but this isn't Bon Appetit. And as the name suggests, cultural criticism comes with this buffet. Now, as for Dorsey, his commute seems downright ordinary compared to other habits that led the New York Times to label him Gwyneth Paltrow for Silicon Valley. If you don't know, Paltrow has given up acting to pursue another kind of fiction, that of a lifestyle brand guru and influencer. These days, she's hawking lotions and potions, jewelry, garments, gugas, and doodads, along with all sorts of astoundingly expensive items, ranging from a $500 infrared sauna blanket to a 24-karat gold vibrator that will set you back 15 grand, but is no doubt the perfect gift for that someone special, even more so if you combine it with that $35,000 mahogany pyramid that will, quote, make it 
Transform the spatial vortex and lift the vibrations of any room you decide to put it in. Honey, pass that infrared sauna blanket, please, and grab the cigarettes. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. In case you're wondering, we are not ignoring the unprecedented impact of COVID-19. In fact, we are going to be launching our Here in San Francisco Coronavirus Edition soon. In each episode, we'll be talking to restaurant and bar owners, caterers, and other food-related businesses here in San Francisco to see how they are surviving or why they had to close. Spread the word. And if you know someone we should talk to, have them contact us on Twitter at Cornucopia Show or via the message app on our host platform on Anchor FM. And if you're new in this proverbial podcast of a town, don't forget to check out our archives. Most are timeless. Well, classics, really. Well, not really, but as informative today as they were when they first posted. Check out our pilot episode, The History of the Supermarket, and we bet you'll agree. Adios. While there's no evidence of any gold toys or mahogany pyramids in either of Dorsey's side-by-side homes, his fondness for unconventional and expensive wellness tools is pretty legendary. One of his favorites is a $5,000 Faraday sauna. It's an upscale version of a Faraday tent and has made these items once solely popular with doomsday preppers and survivalists, the new It toy in Silicon Valley. Faraday tents block all electromagnetic and radio fields, offering survivalists both perceived protection from the dangers of 5G, as well as from the electromagnetic and radioactive fallout from our upcoming World War III. Now, among Faraday fans in Silicon Valley, at least for those who are not also survivalists or doomsday preppers, the benefits are more, um, let's say, ephemeral. Best summed up, by one manufacturer's straight-faced assertion that their Faraday sauna allows users to create, quote, their own electromagnetic-free ancestral space. As reported, Dorsey's sauna isn't fancy. In fact, I bet nobody in Finland would even call it a sauna. Aside from the fabric, which is woven with metal, it's pretty Boy Scout basic with the addition of a stool and four infrared light bulbs. But Dorsey loves it and told podcaster Ben Greenfield that after time away from electromagnetic stress, he feels both energized and cleaner too. Now his wellness routine also includes a cryogenic ice bath, another esoteric product, unless you hang out in pro sport locker rooms, that with the Dorsey Good Housekeeping Seal has become popular in Silicon Valley too. He often spends time going from his electromagnetic ancestral free home into the icy bath and back and forth. And we get that this is common, going from a sauna to an ice bath, especially in Scandinavia. So, if you're starting to think we're acting like some mean high school librarian, finger-pointing and scowling at the prom queen because we're jealous, hold those biodiesel horses. (laughs) That's not what we're up to here. Now back to Jack. 
Let's hope he doesn't forget to remove his sleep tracker ring before he jumps in that bath. But if he does, costs less than $1,000, so you could just say it's like maybe ice off a penguin's flippers. Dorsey also has made Vipassana silent retreats, often lasting 10 days like the one he did on a recent birthday, extremely popular, and transformed what was once an esoteric and untrendy spiritual event into something that many young tech professionals now feel is as important to success as their LinkedIn profile. Waiting lists to attend retreats have not surprisingly grown by years. Now, in case you think we're just pointing fingers at a quirky guy with billions of dollars, here's some details about me. I love my neti pot so much I own three of them, including a plastic one for traveling. Anytime I move into a new apartment, I buy a smudge stick so I can get rid of the bad mojo. I meditate daily, do pranayama yoga breathing, have some crystals on my nightstand, and after a serious medical diagnosis many years ago, spent a week at a place called the Optimal Health Institute where fasting and wheatgrass enemas were central to the daily health routine. You heard that right, fasting and wheatgrass enemas. Dorsey does seem to be on a legitimate search. And we're not just talking about a good plot of land on Elon Musk's new Mars space colony. But here's our beef, or should we say, our beyond meat? Here's our problem. While he's concerned about electromagnetic stress and diet, Dorsey offers zero concern about our pervasive and growing surveillance economy. Of course, why should he care? He's one of the stars making over America in Tech's version of Queer Eyes Fab Five, refashioning our economy from one that used to build things into one that commoditizes private lives, commoditizes our lives by monitoring us, what used to be called spying. Too bad there's no Faraday devices to protect us from social media's corrosive impacts on facts and public debate our children's mental health, or its authoritarian-ready plugins. Today I will lay out just some of the evidence proving that we won this election, and we won it by a landslide. This was not a close election. And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. To the- but when it comes to his diet, Yes, we finally made it to the topic of food. Dorsey's eccentricity is even more remarkable. The $15 billion man eats just five meals a week. But it may be why he has so little empathy for those people who feel lucky when they found a half-eaten burrito in the trash. He's got to be hungry all the time. Hey, sir. I want some more. What? Dorsey's meal plan is simple. No breakfast, no lunch, no afternoon snacks. Just five meals a week, dinner on weeknights, and come the weekend, no food at all. That's when it's fasting days at the Dorsey estate. He does, however, start each day with one indulgence, a glass of salt juice. Never heard of it? Me neither, but the recipe is simple. 
water with lemon juice and pink Himalayan sea salt. Think of it as bulletproof coffee for the spiritually advanced without anything that actually tastes good. We'll talk more about bulletproof coffee in our next episode, Carbo Zombies on the Golden Gate. And as for salt juice, as noted in a story in Business Insider, it could possibly increase Dorsey's energy and well-being, especially due to his fasting regimen, but drinking it daily is almost universally ill-advised. One other thing, we hope we won't burst anybody's Himalayan bubble, but most of that salt isn't from the sacred mountains, but elsewhere in Pakistan. We'll be right back after a word from... What do you know? It's a word from us. Sorry if you were hoping for a mattress company ad. In case you're exhausted from the pandemic, dysfunction in the White House, homeschooling, too much time with your spouse, or too little time with anybody, have we got good news for you. Cornucopia 10 items or less, our express three-minute episodes, are getting shrink-wrapped and ready for delivery this February. These short, informative episodes will enlighten and also give you something interesting to talk about when you're stuck on a Zoom call with strangers waiting for your boss to log in and start the meeting. Hey, excuse me, pal. Hey, you got a problem with reading here, buddy? Uh, This is the express lane, 10 items or less. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. Yeah, I see you got your large mayonnaise there, but uh, eight cans of garbanzo beans do not add up to one item. Okay, 10 items total. Cornucopia, 10 items or less. Well, I hope you have a good pandemic, too. Subscribe wherever you listen, or you might miss our first episode. Is that a sticker on your banana, or are you just happy to see me? And now back to poor Jack Dorsey and the search for meaning through food. Stay safe. In regards to this diet, Dorsey told podcaster Greenfield that, quote, It really has increased my appreciation for food and taste because I'm deprived of it for so long during the day. Increased his appreciation for food. Increased his appreciation. For crying out loud, he's a billionaire. He could eat anything, literally anything he wants. He can afford anything. Sushi, fine dining. Oysters on the beach, lamb in Provence, vegan food handcrafted by monks. He could eat anything and everything. But maybe that's the thing. When you can afford anything, does it stop being exciting? Bored. What? Bored! Think about it. A good tip? A $20 lotto scratcher? Getting invited away for the weekend. Watch those freeways. Winning a flat screen TV at the company picnic. That actually happened to me. Thanks, Global Gourmet. But if you're a billionaire, could it be a special kind of hell? When you can afford anything? Want to go for a cruise in San Francisco Bay? Sure, you could call the Blue and Gold and charter a ferry. But why not buy a yacht instead? Maybe one with a helipad like Larry Ellison. Who cares how much it costs, where to moor it, how to staff it? A mountain retreat? Or a lakeside chalet? How about both? Private jets or public spectacles? Access to power? It's all at your fingertips. 
To some, Dorsey's lifestyle makes him an unconventional star. But in our view, he's no bright light. Just a dull and increasingly nauseating archetype. The wealthy techie biohacking their life. Because despite $15 billion, two side-by-side homes, and plenty of time for a leisurely walk to work, he's bored. Starving himself so he can feel something and really appreciate food and taste. The billionaire with hunger pangs, walking to work past people sleeping on the street with nothing to eat. Give him a gold medal in the Olympic competition of most tone deaf. Poor Jack Dorsey, searching for meaning through food. Too much money, too little empathy. Don't go away. Cornucopia will be right back with more. And hey, if you think we're being unfair, do let us know. But not until you listen to our bonus episode, Bamboozling Bay Area Billionaires. We'll talk a bit more about Dorsey, his Start Small initiative, a couple of blokes named Mark and Elon, as well as discuss the charade of billionaire philanthropy. But here's the deal. If you're laughing at Dorsey, I'm with you. But if you think his diet and quirks and eccentricities only happens to folks with more money than King Midas, think again. Now, don't get confused. No, we're not talking about sympathy or empathy or charity. But the impetus, the impetus, how shall we put it? Yeah, the impetus to buy stupid History shows us that the search for magic cures and healing waters are as old as time. Alexander the Great, Ponce de Leon, Franklin Roosevelt, plenty of average folks too. Walk into any Whole Foods in every aisle of the store products promising dubious benefits at extremely high prices. Seek our favor. Probiotic ice cream, ketogenic cereal, CBD face cream, paleo chocolate almond bars. The list could go on forever. And here in San Francisco, we're often the fertile launching pad for these products, promising that we can be better, we can do better. Better digestion, better muscles, better skin, better hair, better energy, better sleep, better happiness. The formulas vary, but the landscape for success is richest in places like here. Young people with six-figure salaries that can't take their eyes off social media. Of course, now these products are everywhere, at every price point. And in fact, it's nothing new. Back in 1978, when Evian was introduced to America, retail analysts wondered if it would sell. If people would pay for bottled water in a country where good tap water was standard... 65 chances every year to start doing something healthy to keep yourself in balance and another chance to start drinking Avion natural spring water from the French Alps like a new morning it's always there 
for you to do something healthy. Flint and more current problems notwithstanding, many know the joke. Evian is naive, spelled backwards. Of course, Evian's success spurred more and more bottled water, some from actual springs, most from municipal sources that also fed your tap at home. These days, water brands trade in hyperbole, almost more than hydration. New improved water, no calorie water, scented water, pH balanced water, alkaline water, electrolyte enhanced water, water from Fiji, from Wales, Hawaii, Norway, and water from the Ozarks too. Marketing now powered by artificial intelligence and disguised in social media makes this natural human impulse for improvement, for better ways and better things, more dynamic than ever, and sorting the, and crap. Sorting the crap from what's useful, from what's sorting useful, the never-ending never task. We'll talk more about that in our next episode, Carbo Zombies on the Golden Gate. But in this age of hyperkinetic marketing fueled by subterfuge and surveillance, there's no simple answer. But maybe just remember this. In our world of haves and have-nots and those in between, if we're lucky, we sometimes get to choose. Maybe it's choosing to pay $3.49 for a 16-ounce bottle of alkaline water from the big island of Hawaii. Could be homemade salt juice is your thing, or like me, you love kombucha. Perhaps since the lockdown, you've been arguing nonstop with your spouse over whether to choose that fancy new car, even though the 2016 Mazda still runs great. Or maybe because your love life in lockdown is lousy, with all the magic of damp Doritos that smell like stale beer. You're choosing to spice things up with a new toy for the bedroom. Not everyone gets choices. Keep it in perspective. And one other thing, when you're laughing at someone who might choose a sauna tent or a mahogany pyramid, be careful when you point your finger, call them out. Because every time you point at someone, Three other fingers point right back at good old you. But there are other choices. Call them greed, heartlessness, disregard, maybe immorality too. Those ones deserve both our attention and our disdain. So don't stop pointing. Just keep it in perspective. I've had choices. The show was written and produced by me, Matt Levine. We really appreciate your listening. Follow us. Share us with your friends. We have a bonus episode, Bamboozling Bay Area Billionaires. Don't forget, we're going to be launching our new segment, Cornucopia Express, 10 items or less. Here's a quick word from a friend of the podcast you won't want to miss. Fake ad, crazy, too. 
stressed from too many back-to-back VC meetings in Palo Alto? Missed your one-on-one personal training session because your assistant forgot to bring your Labradoodle to acupuncture? Did your Tesla break down after loaning it to your ex twice removed? On the 101, you missed your daughter's birthday party at the Exploratorium Disrupt the Chaos Party? Restore your inner peace. Order your Faraday sauna today. You'll never know how good life can be until you do. Not affiliated with Farrah Fawcett, Farrah Slacks, or Shaka Khan. Supplies are limited. Terms and conditions apply. 60-day warranty will avoid in the case of damage from nuclear war, chupacabra attacks, or young children playing with guns. <laughs> Mommy! We really appreciate your listening. Follow us. Share us with your friends. Call somebody who lives alone. It's hard these days. We want to thank the following. Diego Goucher for his golden flaky voiceovers. Nicole Whedon, Matt Zucker, and Claudia Marshall. Judith Bigham for The Endless Council. Sam Valley for sharing insights. Ken Perez and Dirk Schluter for keeping the rowboat afloat. Brian Stowell, Dennis Kearney, and Alan Stonebreaker. Jenny Ellisquaga for outdoor hairstyling and putting up with us. Will Puckett for tech support, Cherry Pasamba and David Adams for the encouragement, and Raven Cassidy for our website. Our opening music was by Jamie Rind. You can follow him at SoundCloud. And finally, thanks to Fritz Van Orden for the dance of the Cocoa Krispies. I'm Matt Levine. Thanks for listening. Never friends.